Talking Islanders, John Tavares bolts the island, heads to his hometown Toronto Maple Leafs to get some more insight to that. We welcome in Arthur Staple, who covers the Islanders for The Athletic. Arthur, thanks for a couple of minutes here. I guess the first question is, what's next? I mean, they have the arena put in place, they get the GM, they get the head coach, and then the superstar naturally leaves for his hometown Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's definitely not something that was part of the plan these last few weeks. So, uh, you know, I think there's a bit of a reset now, and um, Lou Lamoureux is not one to wait around. I'm sure that he's uh, in conversations about trades. Uh, you know, I think there's, a, there's guys like Eric Carlson who might be available. They can swap one superstar for another and try to get him signed and, and start to remake the team uh, without Tavares. How long of a rebuild do you think this is, Arthur? I know there was going to be some pieces that needed to put in, even if Tavares stayed. Obviously, without him, it looks a little more challenging. You have to trust Trotz and Lamarillo, but how far away do you think this team is legitimately from contending? You know, I think it depends what happens the rest of the summer. They obviously needed a goal, even even if Tavares were staying, and there's not a lot of great ones out there. So, so perhaps that's where Lamarillo is going to focus his attention and his assets to try to get somebody that uh, might be better than some of the free agent guys that were out there. And if they can bring someone in like that and shore up the defense and bank on a guy like Trotz to improve what they have, they're not that Obviously, scoring goals wasn't a big issue, and that was Tavares' main focus as uh, one of the top production forwards on the team. So if they can shore up the the other end of the ice, I think that'll go a long way to making them a, a bit more of a contender. Yeah, maybe a different look team, but certainly we, we know they need a goaler. A goalie is going to have to get creative, as you just mentioned. All right, let's focus on JT for a minute here. First, was there anything you think the Islanders could have possibly done to keep him here, or was this just a case where he's had his heart set on going back to Canada, playing for his hometown Maple Leafs? You know, nothing, nothing I think since Lamarillo took over. Obviously, they made the moves that they thought not only were good for the team, but, but good to keep Tavares. And, uh, you know, I think it, it, maybe his mind wasn't made up uh, in May when Lamarillo came on board, but obviously he was, uh, he was dreaming of that possibility. And, um, you know, even if it was in the back of his mind for the last nine years, some more winning uh, and a little more success uh, with the teams that he played on here would have gone a long way. And so, you know, I think you can't say it was anything that happened in the last couple of weeks or even a couple of seasons. I think the the overall experience for him was obviously not successful on the island. They didn't put a great, a good enough team around him. And, uh, you know, the arena situation didn't really help very much. And, and obviously, uh, you know, from the team side in this last year, not giving him a deadline to sign an extension and then looking for a trade is, uh, you know, was something that came back to bite them. So there's a lot of responsibility to go around here. Talking with Arthur Staple, covers the Islanders for The Athletic. How can they possibly do that, Arthur? It's one thing to not have a guy like Lamarillo in place, but they knew this free agency period was, was coming with Tavares. He was in his walk year here. How can they possibly let him go for nothing? I mean, without a commitment, without an extension, why would they just take him at his word and hope that he's going to end up staying here uh it's it's the it's the million dollar question or many millions of dollars question i guess you know last summer when he asked ownership to hold off on extension talks and he didn't want to be traded uh and they said yes to everything it was hard to believe that there was no deadline whether it was before the season in december when they made the announcement for the new arena uh and then at the trade deadline obviously you know the earlier you make that decision the better the assets you get back and um, yeah, it, uh, you know, I think when you hear that, uh, he doesn't want to sign. He wants to see what's going to happen with the team. That's got to be a big red flag to ownership. Uh, and they're the ones who can, can tell management could have told Garth Snow, let's set a deadline, whether it's three weeks or a month from now. And if it doesn't happen by then, we put our best offer on the table. 
we got to get something back for him. So, yeah, I think last summer was the time to act, and uh, obviously we are where we are now. Yeah, and that would have been the move to make. Now, you could also question why ownership would stick with Snow when you knew that that was not the right direction for the franchise. I mean, we've known that for years, and they ended up sticking with him until the last minute. It was too late. By the time they hired Lamarillo and Trotz, I would think, now I don't know this, you would know a lot more than me, I would think Tavares already made up his mind. He knew how bad it was here, or even less than that, he knew he wanted to go home to play for the Leafs. But maybe, to your point, if you had a guy like Lamarillo in here a year and a half ago, maybe that could have changed something. Yeah, you know, they had an opportunity at the end of the 16-17 season to, to make a change in the front office, to make a change of coach. Doug Waite wasn't the, wasn't the head coach then. And they chose to stick with him. And like you said, they, they made the ownership made moves in the hopes that Tavares would stay, not with any sort of concrete guarantee. And those were two of them. You know, Garth Snow and Doug Waite had and have great relationships with John Tavares. They're very close, the guy who drafted him and the guy who he lived with when he was a rookie in the first couple of years of his NHL career. Um, you know, and I don't think John Tavares is the kind of guy to ever say anything explicitly to ownership about, I want these guys here. But, um, yeah, they, it was some hopeful moves. And obviously they didn't work out. And uh, there was a chance last summer to, to point the team in a different direction that maybe would have changed John Tavares' mind. Unfortunately, it's too little too late. Whatever is done is done. He is now a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, going to be one of the favorites, certainly coming out of the Eastern Conference, going to win a cup. And the Islanders lose their superstar, their homegrown superstar. Uh, all this going on, though, Arthur, I still think there are some positives, maybe more so than not, with Lamarillo in place, with Trots, with the arena situation getting cleaned up. You think this is going to be, in the end, you think the Islanders still have turned the corner and the franchise is headed in the right direction? Or do you still think that losing Tavares, coupled with the years of ineptitude here, you think that's going to be the norm moving forward? No, you know, I don't think, you know, Lou is, uh, even if he weren't 75 years old, you you know, you see his track record over the last three decades. He's an aggressive guy, and he's not going to sit around and wait. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's definitely vogue for certain teams in the pro sports arena now to, to tank and hope for a high pick and kind of rebuild from the ground up, and that's not his style, and it's not that's certainly not what he sold Barry Trotz on, and it's not what he tried to sell John Tavares on. They have the reigning Calder Trophy winner in Matthew Barzell. They have some other decent assets uh, in the pipeline. They have some decent NHL-ready players, and they're banking on Barry Trotz being kind of the coach with the best pedigree to come in here in a long time to to make some improvements and, and make this team more accountable and more structured and all the things that really started to fall apart the last two seasons. So, yeah, it's not barren, but uh, but these are not great days right now. No, no, it's bad. I mean, anytime a, look, a player his caliber leaves this city and that team where everything else started to come into place, I mean, they just got the GM, the coach, the arena. What's the? It's hard to. I mean, come on, you can't. Hard to recover, especially immediately when you lose a superstar like that. We're talking with Arthur Staple uh, of the Athletic covering the Islanders. What's the situation, Arthur, with that arena? It's not going to be ready for what four years, right? They're going to be back and forth between Brooklyn and. Uh, the old col- or the the renovated coliseum till then. I think it's three se- yeah, it's three seasons going forward here where they're splitting time, and, and I imagine depending on how this season goes, where they're they're splitting it almost down the middle. Uh, I would imagine if you know you're going to see more games out of the coliseum. It's, you know, you you just take the pulse of some of the fans who didn't love the Brooklyn experience. It wasn't even so much the travel and the traffic and the lack of parking around there. It's just the building is not a hockey building. And, uh, you know, I think the experience wasn't so great. They didn't feel terribly welcome. There weren't a lot of great dates there. So the Coliseum is, is still home. It, it looks very much the same as it did. It's got uh, some improvements. There's going to be a few more before they go play there and starting in December. And uh, I imagine the next couple of years after this, if it goes well, 
you'll see more and more games there before they get to Belmont in, in 2021. Yeah, and that'll be exciting. And they need to just get to Belmont already and have one arena on Long Island where they belong. Uh, hopefully some of the players, though, from this draft will be making an impact before then. I, all reports that I read, again, you would know much more than I would. That's why we're having you on. Uh, it sounds like they had a great draft. How ready are those players to provide an impact? Are we talking two, three years down the road? Or are we talking guys that are going to come up uh, sooner than that? You know, I think there's a chance uh, in a year or so for, for at least uh, a guy like Oliver Wallstrom, who was the 11th pick. He's a guy who, you know, has an NHL body at age 18. He's six one, about 207. Um, he's going to go to Boston College, and, you know, we'll see after that. Uh, the Islanders haven't really been in a position drafting-wise to take guys that are that are ready at 19 or 20 in the last couple of years. But even the number 12 pick, Noah Dobson, is a defenseman, and defensemen take a little longer, and he needs to fill out a little bit more, but it's you know, skating is the name of the game right now, and they got three guys, if you throw in Bodie Wild, the, the 41st pick, who was a guy who was projected as a first-rounder. These guys are all 6'1", 6'3", 6'4", and they can skate. And uh, having size and, and that mobility is the way the game is trending, and uh, it'll be interesting to see after, if not one year, two years, where these guys are when they turn pro you know, maybe before 2020-21. And you would think even without Tavares, Islanders' expectations still at least to make the playoffs next year? Is that unrealistic, or you think that that should be a realistic expectation? Uh, you know, I think it's got to be the expectation. Uh, you know, I would obviously they still need a goalie, and, and maybe there's some you know, has some tricks up his sleeve before we get out of the summer here. Um, but, yeah, this is not a team that's, uh, that's designed to tank. It's just not... Uh, it's it's not the way that they're built. Uh, I don't think they're bad enough. There's some really bad teams in the NHL that, that have rosters that are just really poorly constructed, um, and this is not one of them. Even without Tavares, if they can shore up the defensive side, they're uh, you know they've got some skill and they've got some size and some and some edge to them. And uh, goalie's obviously going to go a long way. But but yeah, you know you look at their division. I mean, Carolina's been floundering around on the edges. They've made some changes. The Rangers seem to be starting from scratch. Uh, there's, there's room to improve in that division for them. And, and after the way last year went, I think it's obvious a lot of people think this is the same old Islanders and they're not going to compete. But uh, but I think last year was more of an anomaly than the, than the couple before it. Thanks, Arthur. Appreciate a couple minutes. You got it, Sal. Anytime.